Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome back to the program Steve Rates, who's Director of Research and Market Intelligence at C.H. Robinson. And today we're going to talk about secrets of shipping leaders, how they get better truckload uh, service and pricing. Now, considering all of the challenges that companies face today with regards to transportation, everything with you know, trying to find capacity to managing you know, rising transportation costs, any secrets or advice that they can get, uh, I'm sure is going to be welcome. Uh, so it's great to you know, welcome Steve back to the program to uh, share some insights and advice uh, based on some new research that they recently completed uh, on this topic. So uh, Steve, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Adrian. Happy to be here. So again, uh, you've been uh, a guest of ours for, for uh, a few episodes now, and you always come and, and really talk about you know, some of the, the, the latest and greatest research that you guys do there at, at uh, C.H. Robinson, along with some of the, your university partners. And uh, so today, you're, you're going to be sharing basically something that's hot off the presses. I, don't even, I think you're yeah. about to kind of just publish it right now. Um, so, so let's start with kind of the, the, the obvious question. I mean, what was the goal of this new research project? Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, the goal of this project was a little different than some of the other research we've conducted in years past in that instead of asking a, a discrete question, such as how strongly correlated is lead time of tender of a truckload shipment to suppliers correlated to the likelihood they'll accept it, we asked a more broader question. What shippers are the leaders in their industry or in the truckload strategy execution, I should more correctly say, um, and let's talk about their suppliers. So thinking about the asset carriers and the brokers they use, what are the attributes of those relationship strategies that seem to be correlated to strong performance? Yeah, and no, I think that, that, that you, know, you know, that's interesting because that's, that's always a question as a researcher. And, and certainly, you know, when I talk to a lot of shippers and, uh, you know, that's always the question, right? What could we be doing differently? What can we learn from companies that are perhaps performing better than, than, than we are? Um, so, you know, they're always looking to see, you know, what they can learn from others to help right. them improve. And again, like I said, in my opening comments, you know, this is one of those environments where, uh, you know, where literally for some companies, their transportation budgets are, uh, millions of dollars in, in the red as a result of what's happening out there. So any, any, uh, uh best practices or, or ideas that they can get uh, is always important. You know, one of the things that I, you know, I was able to read a, a raw, uh, initial draft uh, of the research uh, results say, and you talk about perfect shipments, which I think ties mm -hmm. into how you guys define, you know, some of these leaders. Can, can you define, you know, what this means, perfect shipments, and, and, and how do you measure a perfect shipment? Sure, sure. And th that was key as we're trying to decide what does success look like, right? What does a good performer look like? And so we, we went to MIT again with a large data set and really ask that question. And one of the things that we came out of this is a definition of a perfect shipment. And so we looked at what do customers normally scorecard, right? The shipping community. They want the supplier that they tender the shipment to to actually accept it. And that's the first supplier they tender it to, not successive ones because suppliers rejected the tender. So first tender acceptance, on-time pickup, and on-time delivery. And of course, price matters as well, right? Everybody wants to pay the price they budgeted. But the nice thing is about first tender acceptance is that's usually really the supplier's first choice or the, the customer's first choice of a supplier, which means that's the price they wanted to pay. And so if you get first tender acceptance, you got the price. So really for four attributes, you can do it with three. 
And then what we did is working with the students and faculty at MIT is how do we simply look across millions of records and discern where is a shipper falling out? So we did a simple uh, product formula of tender acceptance times uh, on-time pick times on-time delivery. And then you get a product, right? So let's say you have 95% tender acceptance as a shipper and your suppliers are picking up at 95% on time and delivering 95% on time, you're at a perfect order of about 85%. And, and so it's that product of those three. Yeah, no, that, that, that's interesting. And I love the, the first time uh, tender acceptance because I think that is a quick, a, a quick pulse on whether you, you know, you're aligned with the market yeah. and how well you're doing, right? Because if you're going down you know, two, three, four suppliers, four carriers or brokers down into your routing guide, uh, you're going to be paying more and you know that things are, you know, there's an obvious uh, uh, red flag, if you will, of something that you need to, uh, you know, to take care of. And then um, to your point, that's oftentimes a misnomer of um, when thinking about truckload pricing, is it the rate per mile that runs you over budget or is it the performance of the route guide? And that's why we look at the tender acceptance because we continue to see that that's where the real money is. You can negotiate a little better on your rate per mile, but if, if your tenders aren't accepted, that's where you're going to go over budget. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. I think that's where a lot of shippers, um, you know, that squeeze their carriers, you know, ultimately find out that, you know, they, on, the, on the routing guy, they, they look like they, they got a great rate, yeah. but then that carrier never accepts, you know, and they ultimately end up paying, uh, you know, paying more. Um, so, so when you look at that, you know, that formula that you talked about, um, you know, how do, you know, leaders compare to laggards when it comes to, you know, to perfect shipments? I mean, the, the leaders ultimately, are they like up at 100% or, you know, how, how do they break, you know, how does that break out between leaders and laggards? You know, so we, we saw in the data set, we, we, I should clarify the data we worked with. It came out of our 4PL side of our business, TMC, where we manage all of the freight for a customer kind of as a 4PL, right? And in that, we could see all the shipments across about 40 shippers, um, across the 48 states, and we looked at long-distance bands, so anything over 250 miles. And then we looked at corridors that had at least 100 truckloads in them. So the low-volume lanes we didn't look at, okay? So to give you a sense of the data. So then what we saw, however, though, is across all of those those 40 shippers and all of their origins. So we looked at each origin for that portfolio. So we now had hundreds and hundreds of origins, right? Is that we had two groups that outperformed others. And then we had a middle group and we had a laggard group. And it's most interesting to talk about either ends of the spectrum, right? The leaders and the laggards. So we had two groups of leaders. Uh, one group ported, uh, performed at 81% as the uh, perfect order uh, product. And the other was 82 and they had some different attributes that we can talk about. And then the laggards on the low end, uh, they were at 60, 46%, I'm sorry, uh, perfect order. So a big, a big difference. Yeah, so you're talking about a 30-something percent yeah. difference between the, you know, the leaders uh, and, and, and the laggards there. Yeah. yeah so it's so, so very interesting. I mean, it's kind of interesting because, I mean, to, to hit 100%, I mean, that's, that's very, very extremely difficult because when you think about it from a product standpoint, yeah. You know, even when you said that, you know, 95% on-time pickup, 95%, you know, first tender accept, 95%. I mean, you would think individually those things are all great, but right. obviously when you, when, you, when you multiply them together, you end up with, you know, 85%, right? That's the key. You can't get to 100% in this formula. 
And so clearly getting to 85 is performing very well because I, I think most shippers, if they took a look at those three metrics, uh, a 95 across is, would be very good. And some of them, they may be a little higher and some a little lower. But so we're thinking in the low to mid 80s is really a top performer. Right, right. Great, great. Well, so, so let's dive into some of the, uh, the results and see what distinguishes sure. kind of shipping leaders from, from the laggards. I mean, yeah. one of the key uh, findings is that leaders rationalize a truckload, you know, supplier base. I mean, can you elaborate on, on what that means and, and what impact does it have on performance and price? Yeah, the, the rationalization is interesting. We saw in the leader groups, they used fewer suppliers in total than the laggard group and even the middle group. And when we say suppliers, I'm speaking broadly, brokers and uh, asset-based carriers. So again, the, the data set we're using, this isn't CH Robinson as the supplier, it's a portfolio of brokers, a portfolio of asset-based carriers. And so I'm speaking broadly when I say brokers and asset carriers. Um, so a finer set of suppliers, that was one of the leading attributes. And we saw two interesting things. One group had a very small set of suppliers that they were using on average free charge, and I think it was like seven, and the other had uh, in the, uh, the low teens to 20s. So you're playing in some pretty small pools. The laggards had a much larger set of uh, number of suppliers that they use at any given you know, shipping origin. So we think an insight to that is, which kind of gets into some of the next ones we can talk about is, focus, you know, are you using people who are able to focus on a strategy? But, but in, in general, rationalizing your supplier base, I think what it comes down to is commitment, you know, is that you, you know your role, you, you have a sense of commitment with each party, um, you have some ownership in the, as a supplier, you know, me coming from a supplier side, in the customer's business, rather than being um, a tactical transactional type relationship, you have some key ownership. And I think that drives commitment as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, you know, that's a great point. I mean, I think certainly one of the things that we've seen, um, you know, over the years, I know when I've talked to both shippers and, and, and even the carriers, when I've gone to conferences and heard them talk, you know, everyone's becoming a little bit more selective, mm-hmm. um, right? Recognizing that not, not all business is good business from the carrier side, right? And right. from the, um, uh, you know, from the shipper side is, is understanding, hey, you know what, if we, um, uh, to your point, focus more on those carriers that have historically uh, been there for us, that align well with our network, um, that we have the confidence and the trust in and see how we can work better together, um, you know, that ultimately results in some, you know, some, some positive, uh, you know, results there. Right. Um, and I think we've, we've seen that over time. I mean, I think th- this is somewhat related to, um, you know, companies focusing on, you know, quote unquote, core carrier or core right. supplier plot, uh, uh, strategies right. over time. And it seems like that's been, you know, playing out here based on the research that that, that strategy has, uh, has had some positive impact. Yeah, that, that actually showed out. One of the things that I think our industry has been evolving, both the supplier side and the shipper side over the years, is through the procurement events. Do you, do you want people just playing throughout your route guide? Or should they have clear roles? And so I think to build on the comments you were just making there, the leader group that we saw, all the suppliers had some kind of focus. It was really evident in the data, like they had key corridors that they were responsible for. Maybe they had a very primary role at an origin. Uh, maybe they played a key role, such as the first tender you know, for most of the shipments or played a backup role, but it was clearly defined, right? And I think that's, that was what we were seeing was showing out is 
think we all know not all freight is created equal, right? It's, it comes with different attributes and different attractiveness to different suppliers. So I think the message we're taking away is things we already know, but the data is helping solidify those experiences that, especially like in the asset carrier community, there's lanes that really contribute to yield for the asset carrier. And so if a shipper and a carrier work together, they find those and where they, they really complement each other. And in the case of a broker, where are their strengths? Are they regionally strong? Are they nationally strong? Are they, are they uh, based on the attributes of the freight? Should they be handling just surge business? Should they be doing um, all the lumpy demand business or doing backup? And so it's really important, I think, for a shipper to look at the attributes of the freight and start to segment it and align the suppliers based on competencies, interests, and the attributes of the freight. And then I think you get what you were implying, Adrian. You get the commitment and you get the stickiness of the relationship because things match correctly. Right, right. So I guess to, to, to paraphrase a, a little bit, I mean, what we've talked about, you know, so far. So, you know, the, the number of, of carriers and brokers, you know, your suppliers that you use, you know, is one factor that matters. But the research also shows that how and where you use those suppliers also leads to better performance, right? right. Did I get that right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it, it goes to show transportation isn't um, buying a commodity per se, that it really is a, a service and you have to find where the services and the capabilities are complementary. Great, great. So now did the research show any difference between asset-based and, and non-asset you know, suppliers? And, and you know, how do you determine the, the right blend to use? Because that's another common question that I think a lot of you know, shippers have sometimes. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, in our industry for years, there's always been, uh, I think I can put this out there being a broker that does brokerage not perform as well as asset players. And, and oftentimes there's a single scorecard for a shipper, right? And so they compare all the suppliers on what appears to be, and it seems very reasonable, an equal platform. We use the same scorecard metrics. And I think what we saw in the data was that oftentimes the type of freight that's awarded to the brokerage community versus the asset community the distribution of types of loads is not the same, meaning the asset community typically has a higher percentage of predictable uh, demand freight. So uh, consistent supply, predictable things for the carrier to build their network out of. You see that the, the broker tends to have a higher percentage of lumpy demand or less predictable, more difficult to procure and predict capacity needs. And so there's more of a reactionary environment because the demand is not easily discerned or predicted, okay? And then, so what the students did at MIT is they started to take a look at freight by similar attributes. And what they saw is that brokers and asset uh, players perform about the same when the attributes of the freight are similar. So smooth, predictable demand versus lumpy demand. And you, you look at both of those and you can see that it does come down to being uh, aware of when the freight is coming, what is it, what's the historical volume, how it repeats itself, and what can be pre-planned versus response-oriented. Uh, so that was really kind of interesting um, when we looked at it. So scorecarding can be a little tricky thing if the, diverse, if the portfolio of freight that your different suppliers have varies. Um, it could be a little misleading to their aggregate performance. Right now, very, very, very interesting. Uh, so, so in, I, I guess going back, tying this back to what we've already talked about. So in terms of trying to find the right mix, it goes back to uh, what we talked about in terms of that alignment, in terms of, of focus, and in terms of how and where you plan to use different suppliers. Yeah. Uh, that's really going to dictate 
you know, and, and what we just mentioned right now in terms of how the demand profile looks, that's really yeah. going to dictate, you know, what the right mix should be for, for any right. individual shipper, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, we're kind of coming short on time here, so I just want to get to make sure that we cover some other uh, uh, yeah. insights that maybe came out of the, 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 the study. I mean, uh, what else caught your attention in terms of the, the, the research results and did it raise any new questions to explore in, f in future research? That's always the, the key thing. You know, I, every research project that, that, that that's, uh, I consider to be good is not going to answer every question, but actually it's going to raise some new questions that always, you know, leads you to uh, new projects and, and new, uh, new insights down the road. Yeah, I think one of the things we saw in the leader group that wasn't clear, and to your point, what else could we study a little more is the two leader groups. One of them used a high percentage of brokers and the other one used a high percentage of asset carriers. So very different strategy from asset versus brokerage, yet they got almost the same because one was 80%, one was 82%, perfect order, okay? So what we didn't have the time to study is, what were the attributes of the freight? In other words, was the one that used a high percentage of brokerage, did they have less predictable freight, as example, or more rural freight, not in the key economic corridors? And then vice versa for the one that used a larger asset pool, was it a lot of very consistent high demand corridors maybe a lot of intercompany type freight, things of that nature. So frankly, we didn't get to the time when you're working with students who have to graduate to, to pull on that thread a little farther. So I think we'd like to understand that more, but that's kind of our experiential guess is that the attributes of the freight change it. And then frankly, we've done research, you know, for 12 years now, like this type of work, and we're wondering the influence of some of the other business processes within this. So in other words, are the laggard shippers also doing some of the better practices, like more lead time, fresher pricing, faster dwell time, things of that nature, and how much are those part of the factor and the outcome? In other words, if a shipper does things right, are they doing everything right? It's hard to understand that. So those are some of the things we really would like to study a little more. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. I think the last point there in terms of really understanding you know, all the attributes that define the leaders, right? Because I think, uh, you know, the, the hypothesis would be that, um, you know, because transportation doesn't exist in a vacuum and even within transportation, these things don't exist in a vacuum right. is that there's so many other moving parts to all of this that, um, you know, how well are they doing in these other areas that ultimately influence and contribute, you know, you know, to this. I think that's a, that'd be a very interesting, you know, research uh, question to, to explore. Yeah, so, sure. you, you you know, so as a way to wrap up, uh, you know, Steve, and, and, you know, and summarize, you know, based on the research results, I mean, what questions should shippers ask themselves then to assess whether they're a leader or a laggard when it comes to, uh, you know, setting themselves up to achieve the best possible performance and best price, uh, you know, from their transportation partners out there? Sure. I think one of the things we always coach our clients on is segment your supply chain by the attributes. What, you, what are you asking of transportation? What are the attributes of the freight? So things like smooth and lumpy demand, seasonal expectations, live and drop trailer, um, dwell times, all of these things that come with the varieties of freight. Not all freight is created equal and not everybody wants access to the same freight. So I think first and foremost, really look at the attributes of your freight. Um, use top performing suppliers. That was something else we saw in the data. The shippers who use suppliers that consistently, when you look at all the data set, just tend to perform better when they had a concentration of those best performing suppliers. Of course, their route guide and on-time pick and delivery all perform better. 
When you're using the lower performers, you get lower performance. That just really showed in the data. Um, and then make sure that make awards to your suppliers if you're a shipper. Identify those awards that the supplier really wants, make the commitment to the supplier. That would be advice we would share. And then um, really do I manage my portfolio of suppliers to a core set, that rationalization. Who are my core? Who are the ones I'm leaning on to do the vast majority of the freight? Because I think if you're doing the previous points we just talked about, you'll find that that core set will step up and be able to truly deliver what was planned. You get a high perfect order score and you'll stay very much more close to budget, even in today's environment. Yeah, no, a lot of great advice. And I think, you know, I think as you were talking through those questions that they should ask themselves, I mean, really a part of answering those questions is really having the access to the data and the business intelligence and analytics to, to do yeah. that analysis for yourself. Obviously you did it within uh, for, for the purposes of research study and you looked across different shippers, uh, but you know, shippers need that capability themselves or via their third party, fourth party right. uh, providers or partners that are, that are, can provide them with that data and that those analytical tools to be able to answer, you know, those questions. Cause at the end of the day, the, the data is there, right? And, right. but it's, it's, how do you, how do you, uh, derive those insights to really understand what the right strategy and action should be, you know, moving forward. So just, just go ahead, Steve. I was just say something you're very well aware of a TMS, right? You can't do these things without a TMS. You got to be able to manage the business processes, hold people accountable and have the business analytics to make improvement. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I'm certainly looking forward to the, 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 the final report here. I assume people can ultimately download this on your website. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Great. So I know there's a lot of you guys, uh, uh, again, publish a lot of great research in this area. I'm sure they'll be able to find not only this report, but all the, the past research that you, you guys have done related to, tr to transportation success. So Steve, as always, uh, thank you for making the time to uh, be with us today and you know, share some uh, great insights and advice on this latest research, which I, I think is both timely and relevant to what uh, shippers across virtually every industry is facing today. So again, thank you. Thank you very much. And so to your point, chrobinson.com, it's leaders and laggards in truckload research is where you'll find it. Thank you. All right, great, excellent. And I wanna thank those of you that joined us today. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the CH Robinson website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or comment for Steve, uh, you can post it there and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, yep. thank, you for, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.